Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Punching Out. My name is Andrew. I'll be your host this week. Uh, this week, we're excited to be talking with Lex and Andy, who work at Nani's Kitchen, one of the new restaurants at Mercantile on Main in the old Sibley building in downtown Rochester. Listeners may be familiar with Nani's from a recent piece in the City Magazine. Uh, for reasons we'll be focusing on in detail this episode. Uh, Andy and Lex, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, hey, thank you for inviting us to this. We're really excited to, you know, start talking and help you guys get to know, you know, the first unionized restaurant in Rochester. Very exciting. Well, you kind of uh, going exactly where I want to talk. So tell us a little bit about, um, for, for, for our listeners who may not have read the city newspaper piece, um, tell us a little bit about yourselves and tell us why you think Nani's is so remarkable. Um, so I've been like, I, like a lot of us who are working at Nani's have been working in the restaurant industry for a long time and coming kind of on the tail end of the pandemic, the industry obviously is like taking uh, a hit as far as like, I mean, business and hiring. So working someplace where it was like pretty easily, pretty easy to collaborate and work together and like create a work environment where everybody feels like they're being treated fairly I think is important to like anybody not just service industry workers but it's something that's really lacking in the industry um so yeah and it was I mean it's not that it's not that what we have ahead of us isn't going to be difficult but so far it was pretty smooth sailing because um there wasn't really a fight it was pretty Everybody was in agreement, so. Yeah, I'd say that that's definitely what makes Nani's a little bit different is that most places that have to unionize, it's more so like a struggle to get there. And, you know, our employer, Magesh, was pretty on board with, you know, the whole process and helped us every step of the way, was pretty involved as much as he could be. Um, and yeah, I think that's definitely something that is super interesting and, um, different than anything that many like unions and organizations have never seen before. Mm, yeah. So, uh, Andrea, uh, Andy, you, you mentioned that, you know, sort of the restaurant industry has always been fraught with hardship for workers. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you said that you've worked in other restaurants. What's, tell us a little bit about your experience working in other places that's so different. Um, so I've, I've worked at small owned businesses and I've also worked at chain restaurants. And while there are certain things that are different about the two, the struggles of the workers are basically the same. Um, and I think it's not just restaurants, but like service, the service industry, the hospitality industry, like just kind of minimum wage jobs in general. Uh, there's like this misconception that people who get paid minimum wage aren't skilled workers or don't do a lot at their jobs or are lazy or whatever. The the list kind of goes on and on of why they deserve that pay. 
when no matter how hard somebody works at this at a service industry job, and I've met some of the most hardworking people I ever have at these jobs, no matter how above and beyond they go, their pay stays the same, you know, so it's like kind of backwards the way that we think about it. And I think that that is ingrained into society so much so that that's what makes the fight for workers' rights in these jobs so difficult. Lex, how about you? Yeah, so uh, definitely in the past, I have never really thought about the need for like a union because I've always been, you know, persuaded by the perception of you're young, you're just in these jobs for like certain periods of time. You don't really need, um, you know, these assurances in these positions because that's not necessarily what you're going to do. And you know, just all of these things that, you know, society perceives about, you know, minimum wage workers and entry level positions and just going through the motions of having jobs where I was so sucked into this idea where it didn't really matter how I was treated. I could just, you know, find another job like that was like pretty like damaging in terms of like not only it didn't damage my work ethic, I would say, but it definitely damaged my trustworthiness of like employers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so being able to, you know, move on in that position in my life and like, you know, be able to start building relationships with employers, which is something that's really awesome because as long as, you know, you're taken care of as an employee and you're being treated correctly and you're being afforded these rights, you you're although you don't necessarily want to be doing this work you're going to do it because you're being compensated well you, there, there's other places that you know would treat you more harshly and you know in in this position you don't have to worry about that and if you have a problem you come and you speak to the you speak to either your union rep sure you could speak to your union rep but we also have this open dialogue at Nani's that it's like y you come in and you speak to everyone and you voice your opinion if you have a problem and they don't want you to feel they as in, you know, Magesh, the owner and um, some of the people who supervise positions. Um, they don't want you to feel like uncomfortable or anything like that in terms of any conflicts that you might have in the position or any problems that you're having, or if you're having a rough time with customers or anything like that, it's really an open uh, dialogue that is really just important and something that I have never encountered in like other positions, um, you know, besides being an intern at Metro Justice. <laughs> um, everywhere else, yeah, everywhere else, you know, uh, really has, like I said, damaged that relationship. I'm, I'm, and I'm grateful, you know, to start building that relationship back up as, you know, working is definitely a part of our uh, life, unfortunately, right. that we have to, uh, you know, commit to mm -hmm. if we want to survive. <laughs> like something you said at the beginning there was about like the, the notion um, that at first you didn't necessarily see a need for sort of like unionizing restaurant labor. I'm curious what changed your mind? Yeah. So I would say, I don't want to say that, um, you know, COVID changed my mind. And I don't want to say that that had anything to do with us unionizing because it necessarily didn't. 
but it definitely changed me as an individual and my thought process in terms of being able to just be fired at the drop of a dime or not being able to be compensated correctly for the amount of work that you're doing. Um, Additionally, something for me that really stuck out was when I helped um, adjunct professors at Nazareth um, get, you know, unionized and have a union contract and have an actual contract at all with the the school um, and stuff like that. So, you know, just seeing that if you become complacent to all of these small little things and you're not going to really notice when people are taking advantage of you. And that's definitely something that seeing other people unionize, um, getting involved in the unionizing process and all of that has really, you know, educated me and made me want to be a part of a union. Also my dad's union and he has been since I was like, five years old or something like that. Is he, is he proud of you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Yes. Um, so going along with that, like how, how did you all decide that forming a union was the way to go at Nani's? Like what did those early conversations look like? What was, what was that like for you? Um, so it was pretty much like a lot of, uh, conversations about what even a union would do because, um, I think that coming off of COVID, like, cause we opened in January. So it's not like we opened at the beginning of COVID. We kind of opened after it had been going on for a long time. Um, it wasn't necessarily that like conditions were bad at Nani's and that's why we decided to form a union. It was more like we understood that and the world is unpredictable and anything can happen. Um, and you know, unforeseeable things could cause you to close that maybe even the owner can't account for and then also just as far as the fact that there was no fight or anything um I think Magesh as an owner understands that no matter how nice of a boss you are or how much you care about your workers you are still in a higher position than all of the people that you hire so it's important for people to feel like they can say something to you which like we already kind of talked about that, that we do feel like we can talk about things and like have an open conversation. So it's not really that we had to like fight to get where we already are right at this current moment, but we just want to make sure that we can continue this as, as the possibility of, of expanding maybe is talked about, you know, eventually, or just new hires, just kind of making sure like, I think when a lot of small businesses start, the core people that start that business do have a good rhythm, and they do have good conversations, most likely. But then when you start adding other people into the conversation who are new, and who maybe don't feel like they have a voice or whatever, um, I think I think that's kind of what pushed us to unionize is just wanting to keeping the momentum going um, and making sure that we continue to continue to feel heard. And as the business grows, everybody who contributes to success of the business has a fair part of the, of the return of the success. Hmm. So you feel like there's a, there's some, by being a part of the union, there's some built in loyalty uh, both to the restaurant and to the work itself. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, well, like your, your employer supporting you being able to have boundaries at work and being able to stand up for yourself in a place where you're automatically 
kind of uh the I, I don't know the like at a position of less power um it already motivates me to want to contribute to the success of the business even more than I already would just because I have to have a job um because I feel like I am going to I personally am going to benefit from that and the and the whole team that helps create that success is going to benefit from that so of course you're going to work harder for the possibility of having more opportunities than you are for thinking, well, as long as I'm in this position, I'm only ever going to make minimum wage. I'm only ever going to have certain responsibilities or freedoms or whatever. I'm never going to, I'm never going to get any further than this. I don't think that, 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 I don't think that many people would be motivated to continue to work harder, not to say that people are lazy or are not doing their jobs by any means. I think that people who do these jobs are skilled and they are, you know, completing the work adequately, adequately, but they're not going to want to be innovative or creative or try, you know, something new or it just is a, is a different atmosphere when everybody wants to keep doing better versus I'm just here for the paycheck that I know that I'm always going to get that I know it's never going to be any better. It's, it's, it creates two different environments. Lexi, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, just going off of that, you know, having the ability to move up in a company and, you know, having that, uh, not, I wouldn't say guarantee or assurance, but possibility. Yeah, I'd say like (laughs) the possibility and the pretty high possibility and potential of you being able to, you know, whatever position you start out at, you could definitely be the head of that position in a few years if you pay attention and you focus and you you respect the customers and you're just going above and beyond. And as long as you're doing that and getting paid for that, like compensated correctly, then, you know, the sky's the limit. And I think that that's really important in a workplace. And that's something that Nani's definitely gives um, and it's definitely set a foundation in terms of what I look for in an employer mm-hmm. and how, um, you know, I'm moving forward um, in my career path. That's very cool. I, I think that's one of the things that we often don't talk about uh, when it comes to, you know, unionizing any sort of industry is how does it set the floor for what workers are um, willing to accept uh, in terms of both pay, but also in terms of dignity, self-respect, respect from customers, etc. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I, I have a, a, I'll probably want to come back to that. I, one other question about the the union formation that I wanted to ask you both is: you both have alluded to uh, the, the owner of Nani's being really supportive, Magesh, but I'm curious what. What roadblocks did you face in organizing a union, um, if any? And, you know, what are, what are some of the things that other people who might be uh, thinking about organizing their workplace might want to think about? So we're lucky that a lot of people who work at Nani's are strong in their convictions because while it didn't seem to waver us as, as it may in other situations, People who had nothing to do with Nani's, who didn't don't work at Nani's, you know, were advising against unionizing or were already expressing their concerns of what if other people want to. Um, and it just kind of goes to show how much like misinformation and, and miseducation is being actively done to a lot of 
middle and working class Americans um, because a lot of people don't really understand actually what a union is and does. Um, and <laughs> like there was even some comments that like we're alluding to that we're in the mafia now because we're a part of a union, which is like, so I'm not, I'm not saying stuff doesn't happen, but it's like so ludicrous to even kind of have that far off of a notion of what a union is there to do. Um, and actually like, just because we're still forming the contract and still forming our relationship with Workers United, I'm not going to like go too much into detail about it in particular, but because Magesh has been so open to like immediately signed like a do not interfere. I'm not sure what exactly it's called, but you know, was, was super open to like working with them. The union cares about the success of the business and the owner of the business is obviously included in that. And it's, so it's, it's, it's kind of silly that, people spread around this idea that, you know, unions um, fight for the rights of lazy workers and it's hard to keep a business going once workers have unionized. Because, I mean, I would argue what's hard about keeping a business going after people unionize is the tension and the, you know, bad work environment between the CEO or owner who just tried to fire a bunch of people for unionizing, as so often happens but the union cares about the success of the business as a whole. And if owners are, you know, willing to, willing to work with that. Um, and I think it's a little, as far as owners not wanting to unionize, I think it's a little bit of mis miseducation and not understanding and being afraid. Um, you know, a lot of businesses are their livelihood because I understand that there is a difference between small business owners and chains and, you know, quote unquote, corporate America. However, there's still, both participating in like systems that contribute to like things like wage theft and just unfair work environments, maybe not equally, but contributing nonetheless. So it's just important for everybody to kind of educate themselves. There's a long labor rights history that we're, that, that we're still continuing to fight for certain things for today. So uh, uh, an owner being in support of that kind of goes a long way. I think um, it's still, is up to the workers to keep the union going, keep it updated, try to keep, you know, this is not really just us unionizing, but trying to start to unionize an industry. So there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but it's obviously going to be easier if we don't have to fight each owner and little, you know, supervisor person along the way. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's like as the, you know, the restaurant industry is so, you know, unless you're working for like a massive chain, like a fast food restaurant, et cetera. But even in those instances, you know, we're talking about in unionizing individual shops, whereas like historically the big unionized industries like the auto industry were you know, just massive union organizations all in one massive shop where the owners were fine you know, firing the workers to destroy the union and shipping the jobs overseas. But it seems to me like we're in an era of a different model, right? Where these smaller shops, owners who are invested in their communities and their workers have a potential opportunity, um, work collaboratively with unions in a way that I don't, I, I mean, I'm not a labor historian, but it's like, it seems like that's pretty unique. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that like, when the notion of unions kind of first came about, it obviously was a lot more extreme conditions that we've heard about, you know, in school and everything. But 
the lack of growth of, of unions, because there's not, you know, too many industries that are unionized and it's there's like a pushback in general still, um, I think has allowed us to start slipping back into a place where we are treating our workers unfairly and they aren't being fairly compensated like to specifically compare I don't really I don't really know if I could do that but I definitely think that it the times are kind of changing because of the positions that a lot of the working and middle class um, and lower class which is the majority of America has been forced into like over the course of the last couple of years and and really not even just the past couple of years but really was like under a lot of tension and pressure obviously because of the pandemic I think it opened a lot of people's eyes um, to see that workers being treated fairly doesn't necessarily mean that like other people, like, you know, the owners are still going to be the owners and people are still going to make basically the money that they've been making, but it's just like, you know, treating people a little bit more fairly and allowing them to be able to grow from like whatever position they are starting in pretty much. I think that would help like the industry see a lot of jobs back. I think that's the reason why they're not. I think that people are trying to find other opportunities because this is also a time where people are creating jobs that we've never like seen, you know, people being influencers, people making money on social media, people um, starting a lot of their own small businesses, people adopting different lifestyles. I think a lot of people are trying to just figure out what kind of makes them happy. So if jobs don't start catering to people's emotional and mental well-being, then they're not going to have anybody to be working for them. Um, well, I think I feel like that's a good spot for us to uh, take a little break. Uh, Punching Out will be right back. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. So before we took a break, um, you both ref- uh, reflected on um, the the notion that you were glad that a lot of, like you, you both and your coworkers were very strong in their convictions and you were receiving a lot of like anti-union messaging and, I was wondering if you could take a minute and talk a little bit about that. Like what, what did you do to keep the, your, your coworkers all together? What was, what kind of like anti-union messaging were you getting? You mentioned the, the, the organized crime thing, but I'm curious what else people were saying that were, that was completely outrageous. Um, there was a Facebook post and like, there was just a couple comments like that stopped to me the most that were like, you know, we'll probably be closed within a year. And like, the owner doesn't realize what he's doing to his business and stuff like that. Um, and then we work at a, um, a food court type of style place. Like it's like not chains, but like small owned businesses all in like the Sibley building. Um, and just some people that are in the vicinity were kind of just not super thrilled. Like there was an air of disapproval, I guess, sort of, um, not many people like came and took her congratulate us from like no. other places within the thing. Like the other restaurants and the other yeah. owners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which it seemed almost like um Definitely some workers did. Yeah. 
Yeah. But not like necessarily supervisors or owners or whatever. Which I guess is typical usually, but. Um, Oh, and also to answer the other part of the question a little bit. I think something that we did to kind of keep everybody on the same page was just be like very transparent with them and exactly what kind of what was going on and, you know, what the union was saying and everybody was like as involved as they wanted to be in the process. So if they kind of just wanted to sit back and let things happen and form and wait and see, you know, until the contract starts being written, that's fine. If they wanted to be like more vocal in the process, that's also fine. Um, so just trying to make everybody feel comfortable in voicing their wants, needs, concerns, and then also letting people be a part of the process as much as they want it to be. Cause I, I feel like if you help to build something, you're going to trust it a lot more and like feel a more a part of it. If you are involved in like the foundation of it. We've talked a little bit about the pandemic, not, not a ton. So I want to sort of like shift gears a little bit here. Um, Andy, in, in the city newspaper piece, you were quoted as saying uh, something like 30% of the 9 million jobs that are missing in America right now are service or customer service based jobs. Um, and people aren't going back to them for a reason. Um, obviously, a theme of our show uh, over the last year is how the pandemic has impacted workers in all sorts of industries. Um, as things begin to open back up, we're seeing restaurant work in particular come up short staffed because people no longer want to work in unsafe conditions for crappy pay and no benefits. Um, as we've seen, restaurant workers have been on the front lines dealing with the most heinous customer behavior imaginable. Um, how has opening a restaurant in the pandemic and then immediately forming a union um, made this experience uh, different for both of you and maybe the other workers at Nani's? Yeah, so like I've said before, I guess it's just kind of like a preface, like... You know, well, okay, so opening the restaurant in the pandemic, it was definitely a little bit um, difficult just because, you know, our start date was definitely like pushed back. um, So many times. A bunch of times. And, you know, everything's changing with if customers can come in and eat. You know, when we first started, customers weren't allowed to sit down. They had to leave, take the food and leave. Um, and we're in like a big area that, you you know, kind of relies on that, like interaction, um, for like, you know, the space to prosper and the bar wasn't open and now the bar's open. Um, things just really had to, you know, progress in terms of like the world getting, well, I don't know about the world, but (laughs) with certain areas getting a little bit safer, um, in terms of COVID and um things opening up and that you know helped us you know get a little bit busier um but then you know forming a union in terms of that was all you know just a little bit busy at different times just because of things going on and the ability to you know meet in person with union reps and stuff like that yeah and um that is really like just some of the things that I've dealt with. Andrea's definitely dealt with a little bit more of the um, ins and outs of like paperwork and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but really, like I've said before, the pandemic didn't really influence us in terms of like harsh conditions informing a union. It more so was just like 
made us more realize why a union is definitely necessary, even though we already had, but it just solidified, you know, those thoughts. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not like something that was kind of happening over the pandemic that I was hearing about a lot is, you know, there was programs that uh, owners could um, like enroll in or whatever to kind of get aid and help their business if they had to close or whatever. And I know that there was a lot of businesses who didn't get approved who maybe should have, which is a problem in and of itself. And I, I, and I apologize because I, I don't have the specific details about some of the things that I want to talk about, but I know that there was also some businesses who were like somehow getting this aid who maybe didn't necessarily need it as much as others. I think, some of them were kind of using it to just continue to pay people who are higher up in said businesses. And, you know, they just resorted to laying off their workers instead of, you know, using aid to help everybody who was involved. So something like something like a union is there to ensure that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And I think when you haven't gone through um, it, when either when you've gone through it so much, you just don't think that, you know, anything else is attainable or when you haven't gone through something so like jarring as the pandemic of where, you know, maybe you lost your job. Maybe a lot of people lost a whole bunch of things, job house, you know, whatever. Um, maybe you don't realize how important those like fail safes and insurance policies quote unquote are. Um, because a lot of people who don't realize it are one bad day away from losing a lot of what they have. Like a lot of people in America are way closer to poverty than, you know, achieving the American dream. It's so unattainable. But we've created this false sense that it is. Um, and I think that's on purpose to keep, keep people to where you can more tell them how to think and what to do. And I think that's because people think that people will be better workers if they are more easily manipulated. Like people will do what you want and do what you say if you kind of present it to them as, well, this is the way it is. Like this is the way that the world works. Um, and I, I can see, I guess, sort of the logic of that, but it doesn't, it, it, the, I think that what this basically has done for us is say that that's just not the reality. Um, at the end of the day, people do need to be happy and they need to feel taken care of because everybody has a natural survival instinct. So eventually you're going to look for better opportunities. It might be hard and they might be, you know, few and far between, but everybody is going to eventually try to find a better situation. If, if they get a glimpse of, oh, it doesn't necessarily have to be this way, you know, as soon as they can break out of that, they're going to like try to find something new. With with that in mind, uh, I'm, I'm curious if um, the, the, as the pandemic was sort of rolling out, there was a restaurant opened in January, so you, you knew sort of vaccines were sort of on the way. How did customers behave? How were your interactions? Did you did you feel more um, secure in your job dealing with customers who might be problematic for one reason or another? Or yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about what that was like. I have a couple starting thoughts. I think you'll have them in a second. Um, so yeah, um, <laughs> unfortunately that also has, so, okay. So Sibley is advertised as a COVID friendly place. 
And so we have security and stuff there. And there's a policy. There was a policy for masks when, you know, there was still the mask mandate. It's like been lifted and people who are vaccinated, there's different rules now. But, you know, when we first started, there's uh, just such a difference in opinion about the legitimacy of the pandemic, the legitimacy of masks, the legitimacy of all of that stuff, that it honestly was hard to agree. Everybody, all of the rest, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to single anybody out or like to say any, say, you know, anybody in particular, but between all of the different restaurants, all of the different employees, all of the different customers, like I literally mean everybody who entered the building, Mm. some part of those groups differed in opinions of whether or not we should be enforcing the mask rule, you know, and certainly customers came in who really just, Uh, There's always customers who come in who just don't want to follow any sort of rule and don't want to be told anything. So, you know, when you enter a time where every place has all of these new rules, like literally every building that you enter has all of these new rules, it's just going to bring out that behavior. It's going to be more noticeable. I don't think that there was like this ginormous shift in, you know, human behavior. I think the Mm. pandemic did have an effect on a lot of us, made certain people, um, uh, feel, you know, there's like, you know, a, a kind of a mental health, like crisis kind of going on because of it. Um, so it's not that I think that wasn't a part of it, but just, it has always been a part of the service industry to deal with people who do not want to follow the rules, who think that they are entitled to certain things that no nobody gets. So I think that it was just another thing to worry about. I don't think it was something that introduced like completely new behavior to the service workers. It was just one more thing that we had to try to enforce to the best of our ability that there was going to people who didn't want to do that. And we've, and we've, and we've always been dealing with that even before the pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I was curious if you felt like, and maybe, and maybe this is not a fair question because the union was so new, but like, do you feel like being a part of a union and being a union shop gave you recourse in the event that you felt unsafe at work? I think that it hasn't really crossed a lot of our minds because, mm-hmm. sorry if I cut you off, but we have to work. Like a lot of people are getting to the point where we have to work. We, ha- we, we have to, you know, find some sort of means to survive. A lot of people are on unemployment. A lot of people don't qualify for unemployment. A lot of people have bigger families where unemployment simply like just doesn't cut it. Um, there's a problem. There's still to this day problems with people receive actually receiving their benefits. You know, unemployment has nothing to do with health insurance. Um, So there's a lot of reasons why people might need to work and might not, honestly, honestly, might not be putting their, their safety first. Mm. And I think that's also something that we've always seen, you know, people who have chronic illnesses are going to work because disability is hard to survive off of people who um, maybe just like, uh, even before the pandemic, if people were sick, you know, at a restaurant, if you're sick, you should not go to work. If you have a fever, if you have a stomach ache, you should not go to work. Even if you don't know if it's contagious, you need you need to go to the doctor, you need to get it figured out, but like you should not go. It's very important that you're healthy when you're serving people food. And even before the pandemic, managers were making people come in saying, Oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry you don't feel good. If you don't get your shift covered or if you don't come in, you're gonna be written up. 
So if I don't get my shift covered, I certainly don't want to be written up because I don't want to lose my job. Um, so, and before the pandemic, it was a lot harder for people to get unemployment benefits. So like if they were fired for any, a certain reason like that, they might not be eligible. So I think that it's just kind of brought more to light and made it more a universal experience of all of these problems that have always been present in the service industry. I think that really what the pandemic did is take these problems and move them elsewhere to people who do have more stable jobs like office jobs or like Mm. insurance companies or calling centers or all of all of these jobs who kind of are known as always, you know, even like um, like teachers and and things that always need always need people you know certain things were closing that have never closed before so i think it was just spreading the problems to other industries but all of these problems that we talk about that covid brought about they really honestly have always been in the service and hospitality industry it's just it wasn't about the pandemic but the same things were happening on a day-to-day basis with things that happen in, in people's everyday lives you talked a little bit about, you know, sick leave and how things uh, working in the industry historically has always been um, fraught because, you know, people are sort of forced into conditions that um, might not be ideal for themselves or for the customer. What other kinds of um, demands or rights do you think restaurant workers should have to make to make the work dignified? Yeah, so I definitely say um, historically, you know, obviously conditions in the workplace are important. You know, making sure that we have the proper, we have gloves to, you know, work, making sure that we have things uh, that are going to stop us from burning ourselves, like just, uh, you know, like proper safety precautions in the workplace, um, as well as all the tools, you know, to get the job done and not have us be getting undue recoil if you would say from the yeah, customers like that's unnecessary um, like that could be avoided yeah um so what do you mean what do you mean by that so maybe say, say a little more about that like like let's just say we don't have a certain product and it's not our fault um oh, okay. but we let's say that we have certain things in place um to you know combat that mm-hmm. or um just like right even down to just having the right equipment and like being properly staffed, like, you know, not being understaffed. And also just like, um, I I think that it's fine to say that maybe the more experience and more skill you might need to perform a job, you know, maybe the benefits and rewards, you know, should reflect that a little bit. But I think that the starting point needs to be a lot higher. So it's like, Everybody who has like everybody who is a person has a life with unexpected things with, you know, family issues or you get sick or you just need time or whatever. So um, I think that a lot more of these types of jobs should be offering health care benefits or uh, sick leave or sometimes like like with Workers United, there's even like a supplementary place that you can go to get like glasses and stuff like that, like stuff under your employer's insurance that's covered, like then there's stuff that might not be covered and the workers United could like their offer could like supplement that type of stuff. Um, Because I don't think that basic human needs and rights that you receive as a human being should be determined by the job that you have. It's not to say that other jobs shouldn't give you extra rewards for going above and beyond or for, you know, if you're like a, 
you life-saving doctor, yeah, you should like make a little bit more money than me at a counter. I'm not like saying that everybody like should get the same pay for the, for any different job there could be in the whole entire world. But it is just like the, the starting point could be, like I said before, the starting point could be higher. um, And then we can still reward people more for doing more. That's like not something that would go away with um, unions or like even something like uh, legislature to to ensure that people get paid a certain amount or get certain benefits when they have certain jobs, which I think ultimately is the goal of unions is to institute that kind of change, like laws in place eventually that would protect those workers. That's like the ultimate goal. So it's not, there's a lot of little battles to be won, but like the ultimate like war to be won is that everybody across the board anywhere like has universal basic rights um so that's a, that's something that americans are very used to learning about and like they still haven't learned enough about it i guess but they, <laughs> um you know civil rights the civil rights movement the women's rights movement the labor rights movement they all have to do with just treating people fairly and respectfully and everybody deserves to be treated fairly and respectfully and that definitely extends to the workplace yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely feel you when you say that, because I, it's super clear that, you know, the restaurant industry as a whole sort of seems to tend to exploit this, the notion of sort of like the rugged individual. And you, you see that in the low wages and, and the tips and how it's all about, uh, you know, the customer is always right. And, and yeah. you, have to, you have to deal with, with that. Otherwise, you, you might not be able to feed your family. Right. Um, and that's like a very real struggle that people go through. Yeah. And that kind of stuff will take its toll on you. Um, and just overall, you might not even notice it because it just happens kind of gradually over time. But you're just not going to be doing as good of a job as you would be if you were happier at your workplace. Um, and also, you know, the nature of service, in- service industry jobs can still be that people who maybe are a little bit transient can have these jobs. Um, people who have a little bit of like a non-traditional lifestyle can have these jobs. You know, I'm not trying to like make up complete lies and say that that's not common themes in the industry, but it's just completely silly to me to think that because this job may attract those type of people, they don't deserve certain rights in those, in those industries, you know, like th- those details about somebody don't mean that they're not hardworking and don't mean that they're not an expert in their job. Um, it's not super easy to go from restaurant to restaurant, but once you learn the menu, you learn the culture and the environment and the rules, you can go from restaurant to restaurant. If you're maybe if you travel, like maybe you're also, maybe you have a small business, you know, when you need to supplement your income. Um, it's, it's not to say that these types of jobs aren't attractive to people who have that lifestyle, but yeah, I mean, everybody just deserves to be treated fairly. And while that's true, that's also, you know, students who are putting themselves through school, yes, but it is also, you know, full-time um, single moms or single dads or, you know, even people with a, with a two-income household who are both working service industry jobs, who are both experiencing, you know, maybe cut hours or cut wages or, you know, this and that and the third. So it's not, it, you know, it's not to say that everybody who is like working at, an industry like a, or a, a service industry job is like also 
even aspiring to be anything other than working at a, working at a restaurant because sometimes that's how people have made their whole lives and you know and and sometimes people are passionate about it about working at a restaurant about cooking about interacting with people about making people's day um cuz i i think it's important to be happy at a place where you don't necessarily want to be forever but the focus on that also kind of takes away from sometimes people do want to work at a restaurant forever. It's, it is their dream. They do like doing it. They like the flexibility, you know, maybe they have other stuff going on in their life where they just need a type of schedule like that. So um, that's another reason why it's super important to be working in this direction is because sometimes that is going to be somebody's forever job. And, you know, as long as they're doing it with pride in their, then they're good at it. And, and like, meeting the standards that an employer expects there are certain expectations that an employee can have of their employer as well um at at any job so hopefully people start like coming to that realization so going on from that so um andy at another point in the article you were quoted as saying um we had to unionize nannies because we have already have pretty good conditions um and we think that it's important to kind of try to start pushing and encouraging uh, other restaurants to unionize. So given that, um, what advice would you have for other restaurant workers who might want to organize but don't know where to start or are rightfully concerned about pushback from ownership or management? I would definitely say uh, begin to focus like within your coworkers and, you know, like, start to test the connections which you have with them, even if you don't have an amazing connection with your coworkers, build a relationship that, you know, all of us as adults have to have with coworkers, even if you're not their best friend, you don't have to be their best friend. Just, you know, have a relationship that's civil and you guys can communicate. And, you know, once you do that and you, you know, start to form discussions between all of the workers and see what you guys really want. If that's something that, a majority of the people want, or, you know, even if you're in the minority and you still think that people are too scared or something like that, and, and, and you still want to, you know, pursue unionizing, definitely reach out to, um, like there's so many different union, um, organizing groups. Yeah. So Um, like even just working out to, or reaching out to a group like Workers United directly, just to kind of get a little bit of education. I mean, like when we first started talking about unionizing, um, they took me like into their little area and they have like a little hall with a bunch of like historical pictures and stuff. And we talked a little bit about labor history. We talked a little bit about things that not only things that they could offer us that they could do, you know, like what benefits a union has, but what they have already done for other places. So it's not like empty promises or anything. It's, you know, they already have examples of benefits that they've gotten, uh, like Workers United unionized Spot Coffee, and they did a really awesome job with that. And they're trying to really, you know, kickstart it and kind of keep it going with Nani's um, as a restaurant. And so, yeah, I think like, Building relationships is really, truly the first step. And then the second step is probably making sure that you're educated and that your coworkers are educated about um, what a union can do and about everybody should be educated about what your rights are about, you know, as an American citizen, as a worker, um, everybody should be educated about that. And 
a lot of people aren't and it's it's nothing to like be ashamed of or embarrassed about because I think a lot of that type of education is kind of inaccessible and it's like hard to know who to listen to um but just to the best of your ability just really try to figure out like if you're a type of person who thinks that unions are bad and thinks that they aren't going to help the workers ultimately or thinks that they're going to bankrupt a business um I encourage you to really ask yourself why you think that. Is it just something that you heard somebody talking about at some point? You know, is it like, you know, a lot of examples of, of, of that happening? And like, do you know why it actually happened? Like why certain businesses actually closed if they were going to try to unionize? Um, just learning about striking and stuff like that. And um, yeah. So I think the second step is, is, is educating yourself. And then, the third, like, this is like super, super breaking it down. But the third very important step is doing it. Um, like a lot of projects lose steam. And we can talk about it and talk about what we want to do all day, our dreams and aspirations, and you know, what we hope for our future. And it's, it's not easy to do that. But it's easier to do it than actually putting your foot forward, because it's taking a risk of failing or of putting yourself out there. So it's understandable why it's hard. And I'm not trying to like, you know, shame anybody, but it is just important to eventually, you know, make that foot forward and just try to start actually organizing and coming together. You know, I know that, you know, have a, have a meeting with a couple of your coworkers and say like, how, you know, how are we going to start this? What are the type of things we're looking for in a contract? Um, stuff like that. So it's just it, it, try to find you know, motivation for in that everybody deserves to work at a good and ethical and healthy work environment. So unfortunately, even though it should be just given to us, it should be something that's normal. It's maybe not. So you have to try to make that an uh, opportunity for yourself. Even if your workplace doesn't already offer that to you, it doesn't mean that you can't try to change it and make it better for you and everybody else that works there. Yeah, definitely researching um, positions like yours and other companies and seeing what um, benefits that they're offered and what you're offered, even Mm -hmm. if you're not offered benefits, looking at, you know, just uh, different aspects of other companies because you can use those to, you know, support your Figure out what you want to bargain whatever for. you want to do. So, what are your hopes for for what restaurants like Nani's who who choose to unionize? What are your hopes for how this impacts uh, other restaurant workers and other restaurants in the industry? It seems very clear to me that you know, on, on the one hand, if Nani's can do it, why why can't everybody do it, right? Mm-hmm. But why why is it important in your mind? for restaurant workers to find this power that they have? Um, I think that something that everybody should be able to do is take pride in their work, whether it's something that they're passionate about or something that they're doing because, you know, they need to pay the bills. Um, It's obviously more ideal to have a job that you love and that supports you. I think that's everybody's goal, but it's not always, you know, the reality. You know, I think it can always be a goal, but for certain parts of your life, you just might have to be figuring stuff out. So I think it's important to fight for an environment where no matter what type of job you have, you can take pride in your work. 
Um, even if it's something, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't dream of like working the counter at a food place when I was little, but I also didn't know what real life was when I was little. And I didn't know that any job that you have, you're impacting other people, you know, like people are pretty happy about our food. I wouldn't say that we're changing the world, but like, you still have an impact on the community with whatever job that you do. I think that we all know somebody who goes above and beyond at like a gas station or a diner or something that we see. And they're like, wow, you know, I don't know if that guy likes his job, but he really makes my day when I come in or she really makes my day. So I think that everybody could have that attitude about their work if they feel like they're being treated fairly and if they feel like their work is appreciated. So it's, it's also kind of just trying to institute some social change of, you know, somebody might just be pumping your gas or cashing you out or something, but you came in there for that service and you, you know, needed help, I guess, quote unquote, and that person's helping you out with your day. Um, So I think that we could all treat service workers nicer and I'll treat everybody nicer, obviously, but you know, we're, we're just talking about unionizing, but Um, I think that that kind of starts sometimes with people standing up for that. Like, sure, everybody should do the right thing, but that's not happening. So you have to stand up for yourself and stand up for how you think that you should be treated um, and set a standard and set boundaries. Um, It's important that everybody do that in a lot of aspects of their lives and the workplace isn't any different no matter what your job is. Yeah, I really just think that it's definitely important to, you know, pay attention, like I've said, to not become complacent in your position and just not, you know, settle for harsher treatment when it's not really due. And um, yeah, take pride in your work, regardless, you know, if, if you're, you know, you're a CEO or you're like, like we're talking about, like if you're working a counter at an Indian kitchen, um, as long as, you know, the workers getting paid correctly and, um, the rights are being respected. Yeah, certainly. Job is a job. Everyone's, uh, everyone's dignity at work deserves to be respected. Um, I feel like this is a, probably a good point to close on. Um, I just want to say thank you both Andy and Lex for joining us. That was really great. Thank you both. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.